I used to always leave my home to go to the shop to buy nothing. <laughs> Just to walk past and see this bike park. And when I walk past this bike, I used to walk in slow motion like... <laughs> Matrix style. Matrix everything when they pass this bike. And when they come back the same way, it's slowing down, walking and passing and watching this bike and they sing. Mr. Reese, why do you have one? My red sunglasses. Well, you know, I, I think it matches my attire. It must suit me and you. This man love red so bad here. I never ever met somebody that just likes one color so much. Red, red is passion. Love. Oh, so oh. my lips, my lipstick looks nice and um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Speaking cool. of which, <laughs> be social, Mr. Skinner. You see what happens when you're in a studio with mostly men. I need some women up in the studio, but we can sort that for next week. My wife told me to go out and buy her something that makes her look sexy, so I bought a case of beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That, that, that doesn't refer to... This is compliment to be social. <laughs> but you see, then he balanced it out by bringing me a beautiful wine glass so that I would just, you know, yeah, not take it too, 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 too. <laughs> so what are we doing today? What are we doing today? So we can do some... Well, we can do the interview. Maybe you look like Stevie Wonder. Well, that's good. No, no, no. As a superstar. I need to see your face. I need to see your face. I need to see your, like, see your like, eyes. You just like looking at my eyes. Don't know why. But yeah. You're my husband. Yeah. So we're going to do some interviews today because um, not everyone may know myself, Claire, uh, or Fabian. And we want to share a little bit of our background so that as the show develops, you can kind of understand our line of where we're going. Um, We have uh, been thinking about doing a podcast like this for a while. And essentially, we are two parents. Um, We're a blended family. We're red and black. Yep, red and black. (laughs) Red and black. And um, I think we just got some interesting people in our network that we want to bring to the table um, with the upcoming shows. Uh, but for today, we're going to start as though we are interviewing each other. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start with you, Mr. Reeves. You good with that? Yeah, I think you can handle that. <laughs> All right. So my first question to you, um, from you've worked pretty much all your life and you are one person that has that I've met that has experience in so many different fields. So tell us a little bit about your early career life. When when did you actually start working and what did you do? Well, to be honest, as a child growing up, I you know it's got persons that good at book work and then they got mm-hmm. persons that, that go with their hands. I was always a person that used to love doing stuff with my hands. Right. Um Theory was never my strong point. Right. But practical was. So uh, what I did, I decided that if I can't get the theory do well, mm-hmm. I can f- more focus on the practical. So I uh, was always a person watching my mom and dad at a young age, always working, hustling to earn a dollar to help provide for the family. And one thing I picked up is how versatile both of them were. Right. right, growing up, so my dad he used to work for the advocate Barbados Advocate, and he used to have a little extra papers mm-hmm. when he came home that were left left back. So what I used to do, I used to take them. It started off with me just a simple little, little making a little extra cash, take the papers, go to the top of the gap, and put them up for sale. And I that was when it was about nine years old. Wow, that's really early. Yeah. When nine years old. And what so time do you have to get up to deliver those well, to when people? Well, when I used to go with my father, because that's how I started, started going with my father on the morning. So we used mm-hmm. to have to be up by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And my father would take us to work. And then when, like, three, four, well, actually, no, four or five o'clock, we were now finishing work. In the morning? In the morning. So when wow. everybody was sleeping, we were delivering the papers to them. In the morning, so when the supermarkets open, right? They have the papers, they decide to the customers, the, yeah. The, the shops, so, did you like master? Station. Did you master the art of throwing pausing the paper and getting it right in the, right, in the gallery? Right in the gallery, <laughs> right. not knocking on anybody's even, window, even right? Through <laughs> a, a space in the window to get inside <laughs> and stuff. Oh, maybe we, we, we used to get regular like, target practice, real target practice. <laughs> yeah, I used to always admire my father using the his his wrist, flick of the wrist out <laughs> and over the roof into the people gallery. In movement, you are moving, and we just throwing nice, straight nice. in the gallery. So yeah, and and you also um 
We used to help your mom run a chicken farm, didn't yeah, you? Then we used to work with my mom. She had a chicken farm. Yeah, she started off with a chicken pen in the yard, mm-hmm. right? And she we had um, three sheeps, right? And we had I think we had rabbits at, at that time too as well. How much? Chi- how many chickens did you have? We used to have at least about fifteen chickens, um, boilers, and then we had about twenty, twenty layers. Mm-hmm. So we used to got we used to grow our chickens to to eat. And mm-hmm. to like, provide us with eggs. With the eggs, right. And then my mom, she got a spot. And my aunt, they, they came together. So my aunt used to work at a, a chicken farm. So she brought the knowledge to my mom. Mm-hmm. A little more knowledge to add to what my mom already knew. And they, they started the, their business together. Okay. Raising chickens. So then we went from 15 to 1,000 birds. <laughs> I cannot even. Well, you told me the experience that to catch the chickens, you have to go in the pen, yeah, in the dark. Well, yeah. you went out by yourself. And we actually, that's another thing. <laughs> that was another interesting thing. We actually had to, because your eyes adapt to the dark. A lot of pe- people don't realize Fabian, that. I just could not. I could not. <laughs> the thought of having thousands of chickens around me in the dark does not yeah, <laughs> feel nice. The, the chickens never used to move. They actually used to be right. less uh, sleeping. Right. Or, you know, just, they, they were, they're new presence human presence used to be there but mm-hmm. because they don't see well in the night they're that's the easiest way to catch them right, right? um so how i would say th- this be, be having worked from so young because this is something that we i, I think now we have a, a bit of a balance in that because there's child labor issues yeah. you know so i think parents now question well how young is too young to make your kids work but there definitely must have been huge a huge advantage to you not you would have realized it then, yeah, I did. but I now that you're an adult, it. yeah, I didn't, know. I didn't realize it as a child. I actually never saw it as child labor or nothing like that. But right, but that's you still see it as man. They got the chores. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to play games. I want to watch TV instead of doing that sort of stuff. But yeah. I didn't realize how much it was actually training me to become a better person oh, and a more better man as I as I got older. So, I, with all that experience, what do you think makes a good work ethic? Like what? What would you impart to our kids that would make that, that help them understand what it means to have a strong work ethic? Well, I think um, showing them like different things and and stuff growing up in terms of helping do stuff and also like showing them where's the game reaping rewards from it mm-hmm. and you know like having a love for doing stuff, mm-hmm. right? makes you a better better person in terms of working in the field mm-hmm. and also interacting with each other, mm-hmm. helping each other, right? That's being a team, being part of a team and being able to function together is also part of the learning. But not only doing things that you like, doing things that you don't like. Right. So that's you know? another thing is doing things you don't like is even harder. Mm-hmm. So when you can learn to do that, it's even better, mm-hmm. right? Because then when you actually get to things that you actually like, mm-hmm. you do it even, you, you put more love into it. Right. right? So I, I think that training up from a young early, a young stage, sorry, is really good for kids growing up. And right. in, these t- in these days, kids in this technology, you just stick on behind the yeah. team. And we have, we have our challenges with that, people. Yeah. I mean... The kids, my son, <laughs> my son loves, what you say, our two sons yes. love, love, last love the, the last one and, the, well, the first one. Yeah. The eldest and the youngest, they love technology. So it's, you know, it's, it's getting them out. Um, and, I, and I know that we're saying this, we've been saying this for way too long. You see the bikes, they're going to be washing them. Right. For sure. Even <laughs> that's part, those little small stuff that washing the bikes, keep. washing the vehicles. You know, they mm-hmm. end up out cleaning the house and stuff, You're giving them a laundry there that they can wash their own clothes, mm-hmm. right? Different stuff to get them involved. Okay, so I know everybody wants to know about your experience writing, and we're almost there because there's some really, really interesting parts to Fabian's story. <laughs> <laughs> um, give us just like a list, like a list of the things that you've done work-wise. All right, so... If I can give you this, so I, a, a, a newspaper. You delivered newspapers. You raised chickens. Raised chickens. Um, I have my own Valia shop, Valia mm-hmm. and Service Bay, right? I had my own freighting service. I had a truck. I used to freight and teach. I used mm-hmm. to always also teach uh, to drive on truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I work in the printery uh, for a few good few years. Actually, that was my my what I went to school to study. 
Um, I studied at Friendly Garrison. I left Friendly Garrison, I went to Polytechnic, and then I left Friendly Polytechnic, and they started off at the government printery. Mm-hmm. But I found that it was really boring, just printing <laughs> black and white every day, black and white, black and white. That quite. So, right. so it started to get. I love to challenge myself, so that was a little too boring. So I left from there. Well, actually, before that, I was working at the Ministry of Education in the individual aids department. Right. That was just a part-time job. From when you leave school, there mm-hmm. they they give you um, they give they put you onto different jobs to to be apprentice for the, to see what you have learned at school and see mm-hmm. how you were ch- you were in a. In an environment where people are involved, and I actually think that I used to grade you for that, but I can't remember. Okay. But yeah, and then I left and I went to government printery, and I left on the government printery, and I went to graphic impressions. I was there for a good seven years, and then I left on graphic impressions. And as, as I say, I always try to improve my skill, so I decided to step up again, and I went to Print Web, which is a company that the nation had opened. Right. And it was there till that business closed down. And in between there, I started my own restaurant. In between? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow, okay. I started my restaurant while I was working at the nation. That was a big achievement for me. Um, and the funny thing is the whole I got to learn, started cooking to get to that stage. <laughs> another story, too, as well. We're going to get there, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, from the nation, I opened another uh, restaurant in Baxter's Road. And then I opened, after those two had closed, I left and I opened a canteen at um, Point Hedderi. Mm-hmm. And in between there, I started my writing school. All right. So that flows seamlessly into asking you about writing. When did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Huh. Did the motorcycle talk to you? This is how that journey started. So uh, I had a, a, a older gentleman at the time mm-hmm. that used to come in my area three times a week, right? Because his family had lived in my area. And he used to ride a Kawasaki Ninja. And at that time, as a youngster growing up, I think I was 13 years old, as a youngster growing up, ninjas was the all. Mm-hmm. Every boy, a big ninja bike, big ninja bike. Oh, every <laughs> little boy used to dream of a big ninja bike. Mm-hmm. You understand? So it, it was black and it was so pretty. Black yeah. or black and red? Just black. It was just black. Uh-huh. Right? It was all black. Little chrome accessories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I used to always leave my home to go to the shop to buy nothing, <laughs> just to walk past and see this bike park. And when they walking past this bike, you used to walk in slow motion like. <laughs> Matrix style. Matrix seeing it, everything <laughs> when they pass this bike. And when they coming back, the same way, you know, it's going on, walking and passing, and watching this bike, and they one of these days, I got it. I guess that'd be how a girl feels when she looks at Barbie doll, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that was a treat. Every mm-hmm. single time I see this bike, I hear it. I used to, I used to know when this bike coming. So and this, this double shirt, right? Double shirt. Double shirt. Double shirt. <laughs> double shirt. It was so short. You call him double shirt? So short. I had to call you double shirt. It ain't normal shirt. So I saw that, but sure he's had to pull up by a sidewalk to stop to put down your feet because he couldn't stand on the ground. <laughs> yeah, but he, I mean, seeing you on the bike, see like I seen the teddy bear on the big, this big massive motorcycle, and they say, well, if he could do that, so I, can you? I could do that. You understand? So that's how it got me, got me into loving the just to be a, a biker, to be right. a, on a big ninja bike. So, I mean, so that was the earlier, that was when you were how old? 13 years old. Wow. And the funny thing is, right, the funny thing is that I said to myself, seeing that bike, that one of these days I would own a bike like that. And funny enough, seven years after that, Mm -hmm. that was my first motorcycle. Wow, nice. You had your eye on the girlfriend early. early. Seven years after that, that same. I mean, it wasn't as pretty as when they first saw it. Right. But it was... Ha, for ha, you, it was, it was still, just, a still a price. It was a price. That dream come true. Yeah. Yeah, only that motorcycle. I bet you went and bought all the polish and everything. All the polish. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. just pick it down. I customize it. I can envision it. it. But imagine now it was black. I know what color I painted it. Red, people's red. And when I brought it back out, my baby was red. Black accessories. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> you must see if you can dig out some pics for that pics yeah, of that bike. Yeah. If you can find that. Yeah. So, 
what okay so we're gonna get to the part where we you know you spent you have a right in school um so what i think is an important question to ask you is what was it like learning how to write and i mean because you're now way advanced yeah i i in the early stages of my writing career, I honestly would say that it was an experience where it could have been very dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very dangerous uh, at that point because you didn't have the outlets where you could actually go and learn to write in Barbados. Right. So there wasn't very much um, know-how in terms mm-hmm. of to achieve license, to achieve insurance and what's that, and that sort of stuff. And that's one of the reasons I started my school. Right. Because I, I saw the niche market for it. I saw where there was no avenue where people could actually go mm-hmm. to get the license or insurance or find out how to get insurance for a bike. And mm-hmm. I think, and back then, the problem was where if you wanted a license, mm-hmm. you had to have a bike. And you to, have be to, to be able to, be able right, to get the license. Right. To, have, to be actually able to get the permit. Right. And in order to get the permit, you have to have the, insur- the, insur- the bike insurance or tax. But the problem with that is that you can't get a bike insurance with that unless you have a license. <laughs> so it's kind of just so, yeah, really silly circle. Real, yeah. So what the, the in order for me to get past that, I we had to me and a, a friend of mine, McGrath, uh, aka Corey, one me we used to roll tight together in the beginning stages of our career in terms of bike life, and he had we had bought a stigma, mm-hmm. right, and we insured because. As a young writer, you could insure their small scooters and stigmas mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's where we, we got a stigma insured in both of our names. And, mm-hmm. tax, and then we used that to get our permits. Oh, okay. Right? So okay. that's how we managed to get permits. Then we right. could step up to the big way. Right. I got right. you. I got you. So what, t- tell us tell us maybe like one of the a stories, like a memorable story of you learning <laughs> <laughs> something that maybe like the average person doesn't, that one, but <laughs> doesn't doesn't know about you well i can tell you this this ain't a lot of people don't know they say they know <laughs> my first experience on the road itself with the ninja right 600 oh it was a 600 kawasaki ninja is i used to write up and only got oh and another thing is that my mom didn't know i owned a motorcycle fabian Mm-hmm. That's not for you used to hear. Uh-uh. Yeah, boy. My mom would not have it. I don't think most moms like to yeah, hear those so words. I actually had to hit that, hit that motorcycle for two years before I bought it home. And right. It's after this experience that I decided that, you know what? I can't. I ain't taking that chance anymore. I ain't let my mother know. But I, and how I let her know, I ride it home that day. But anyhow, before we get to that, mm-hmm. so I used to be riding up and down the gas, practicing regular and stuff. And this one particular day, they say, yeah, I already know for the road. And I decided to carry it on the road. And I was coming across uh, by hard. But I used to take a lot of back roads. Being that I didn't get insured. Being honest, I didn't get insured with that set because, as I said, there wasn't any avenue for us to insure bikes at, at, that, at my age. Mm-hmm. Right? So I just said, carry it on the road and show one or two people. And, you know, you need a new toy you want. Mm-hmm. You want your friends show to see, see what's going on. Yeah. And I was coming up from Bank Hall. Onto the main road to carry up by um, People's Cathedral. I will never forget when I get to the mirror to stop. Who can I butt up on but Sergeant Boyce coming down with his bike? Hey, Boyce, <laughs> you, hear, you hear how the skeletons come out of the closet? Oh, my gosh. That time I didn't know Boyce, though. Me and Boyce boy so cool, though, right? But that time I didn't know Boyce. But when I saw him, my hands started to tremble. And he was like, one, he, he still is he, actually yeah, one of the most feared by cops. Respected, respected by cops. Yeah. And well, for well, for very good reasons. And it's not, he's a very good writer. So knowing who Boyce was, I was like, oh, shoot, boy. Shitting yourself. What am I going to do here now? <laughs> this is not going to end back. So you're coming out so of, a, coming of a minor road to onto a major road. And uh-huh. coming down. Right. Oh, you had to do a right turn now, yes. too. Oh, gosh. And he decides to stop and let me out. <laughs> I was like, seriously? You're going to just pass? <laughs> so here is me now, like, what am I going to do here? All right. Suck it in. You can do this. You're waiting all your time. You can do this. And he decided to release his clutch, get their gas, get halfway, and cut right out in front of the bus. I can't tell you how. I was like, no, this is just <laughs> I would pay to know what went through Boyce's mind. <laughs> and Boyce was like, yeah, the class get in trouble. 
I said, yeah, 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 man. I, I, I know organic. The thing trying to get accustomed to it. It always painted fools. And he's like, I'm a sorry, bite, man. Move the bite. And that thing, I, my mind is like, what's right? I got the bite start, right? And they moved from there. And they just went up the hill. And the boys blow the bite. The horn and me blow back at him. I went on the corner. I stopped. I had to relax my feet. My feet was going in 80 here. Just trembling. So <laughs> I said a little prayer when in church. I was in church. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I had my ass home here. I hate those experiences where your mind just um, goes to putty. Yeah, really you know the clutch. You know the, actually, I didn't even know. I can't find the start button. I can't mm-hmm. find the neutral. Mm-hmm. You get start button and stuff. Like, like, but voice was like real patient. It was really surprising. Like, mm-hmm. No. But, you know, yeah. It was. It just happened to have the alarm on my side that day. So, what do you think? Um, what do you think makes you a strong writer? Like, like physically, or do you view the road differently yeah, to I what think, the average person from, sees from, when they're on the road? From being an experienced writer, now I could tell you, it's all comes. It all comes in experience. Mm-hmm. And don't think you could just get up on the bike and just learn it just so. It's, it's mm-hmm. coming to experience. The more seat time you do, you have, the better writer you become. And always remember that you are learning. So the stages that you you, you, you have to start at. You, one thing that you don't want to do is no learning and writing a pack. Okay, pack that's a no-go. Uh, Y'all hear that, people? Yeah. And you no know learning, pack writing is a no-go. No, unless you're actually writing with... Everyone is is that pop, knows that, that you're knows, a newbie, yeah, right? Yeah, you're a newbie, and could take that time with you mm-hmm. to you know guide you and that sort of stuff. But a lot of the guys out there ain't, ha- ain't got any time for that. They just want to mm-hmm. open travel. So I would suggest writing with a one person. Mm-hmm. You understand? So if anything go wrong with that person, there's a witness. But or write by yourself, right? But otherwise, until you get better, mm-hmm. right? Because you actually have to. When you, the more speed you, you are going at, the more fast, fast your brain has to be thinking. Mm-hmm. So everything, like your mind speed ups mm-hmm, to the road, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You actually got to be looking for everything to work on at right. any given time. Right. You got to be looking at gaps on the main roads, on major roads. You got to always anticipate that something may come out of the gap, something may turn to go into a gap if you're running in traffic. Um, you got to like tell yourself a dog or a cat may run across the road. You gotta be looking for like gravel and. Okay, how do you? Because ch- like now that I've been your been a pillion writer with you for like the last four years, like I still am not sure how. It, I guess it's all time, but like training your your, re- your the response time is incredible, yeah, and I often wonder if if that reaction time also translates into other things that you would do in life. Because um, it's not only just your eyes, that like your hands and your feet have to react really you, fast. You will, find, you will find that as a biker, an experienced biker, you, your reflex action is much faster than a normal average person in yeah. everything you do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys in on a little, a little um, secret between myself and Fabian. When we first got together and I was the person driving... He wasn't very happy with me a lot. No, 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 no. I thought another talk, another talk. Any boy that know that drive it would be really hard to be driven by somebody else. And I mean, no, not just that you were a bad backseat driver, but to be fair, I know that I think I was a bad driver, but I think that I didn't understand reaction time. So now that I have been writing, I've noticed that his quarrels with me on the road are a lot less. <laughs> and actually, when I think I realized that I'd passed the test was a couple months ago, I was driving, he was in the passenger seat, and we were going on a road, and I spotted somebody coming out of a, of a minor road, and he could he sensed that, I sensed that the person was coming out, and he was like, ah, boy, baby. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I graduated. <laughs> yeah, you, you, your reaction time, and we're going to have some other shows just talking purely about driving and riding we know there have been some really major issues with yeah. bikers and that is a whole that's a real tickly tickly uh topic yeah. we're not even gonna hide that and we're gonna get there but for now um we're just talking about reaction times and i and i do respect i have a, a healthy respect 
for bikers on the road yeah. when it comes to the skill that it actually takes to ride a bike. And that's another thing that... Um, Gotta come close, thing, baby. The people got that, hair, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing that I would touch on too is that I find that persons that don't have the knowledge or the education about biking mm-hmm. or riding, there's the ones that are mostly speak, talk down on bikers. And I, I would like to find a way to educate people about riding because... But I that's what we're doing right here, right. honey. As as a rider, you actually become a better driver. Right. Right. And as we just said, just know you your reaction time is, is ten times more than a person, normal person driving a vehicle. Because you get so comfortable behind a wheel, mm-hmm. right? You have so much time to play with your phone, play with the set, you want to turn mm-hmm. the radio station. Put it on your lipstick. Talk know, to the kids in the back. You, you know what I mean? You <laughs> have so much time to do all that. As a rider, you have no time. Yeah. Nothing like that. There's no margin for There's error. There's no margin for error. You always have to be focused on the road. Mm-hmm. And your hands are always on the handle, right? But these are things that as we go further, we could discuss. And yeah, for sure. For sure. So we want to shout out some of the riders on the road. Yeah, but the veterans. That so who are some of the veterans? Yeah, we, we Biggie! Got, we got Biggie, <laughs> there. Yeah, Biggie, Biggie actually is the first person that... Um, Took me to get a proper motorcycle after, okay. after my my first motorcycle, right? Um, shout shout out Blue Core. That's mm-hmm. one of my one of my icons there too as well. Uh, my and my my the person like a I mentor. To, yeah, and my the person that really really uh, sticks out for me all the time is Bird, right. a.k.a. Kevin Daniel. That man is a beast. You know, it's interesting to hear you call Bird's name too, because what's really um, when when people are watching you and Bird on the strip, um, I don't know if the audience separates the competition from the friendship or or yeah or who you know yeah. because <laughs> the bird on the strip he ain't looking at you nope right he ain't he looking back at you at all just competing when you get to the end when you get to the yeah. end but as soon as the race is actually finished and bird comes back to the to the starting line yeah. it's like yeah how that went will you do da, 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 da. Yeah. how did it go will you could have changed and and it's a camaraderie that's yeah. quite interesting to watch yeah i could tell you that bird is a person that he loves. He loves to share info. He loves to see you do good, do well. Do well, yeah. You understand? And he, he, he as he said to me at any day, he is he's he's coming to that age where he he will not be in it for the rest of his life. Right. And he just want to make sure that somebody else. He's put Barbados on the map yes, too when it comes to he's, to motorcycles. He drives in the states and the Caribbean, set Caribbean, mm-hmm. records in Grenada, Saint Lucia, and Saint Vincent. I hear in Barbados. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he has he has. He gave me a little piece of advice. That funny enough, too, I told a student this morning. Um, so when I was going through my own jitters with learning how to ride, and I don't remember how the conversation came up, but he was like, "Stop telling yourself you're gonna fall." Mm-hmm. He said, "When you get on the road, tell yourself I's a rider. I riding. Don't think about the fall anymore. You think about the fall, you will fall, and yeah. and and that's just I guess that's applicable to life, really. Yeah, true. You know, if you think about the obstacles, this is what bikers bikers think about the space. Mm-hmm. They don't think about what they're gonna hit. Right. <laughs> well, I was looking for you the know? space. I was looking for the, so we got Blue Co, we got Biggie, we got uh, Bird. We got my happy. My, ha- yeah, my happy. My happy. My happy. We cannot forget my. That is happy. a real veteran there, boy. Oh my yeah, goodness. That is a real veteran there. My happy. And I, if you see my happy, who don't know my happy? It's small airframe, man. Tiny little man. Tiny little man. But that man used to do some stuff on the motorcycle, boy. And at his age, um, he's still riding mm-hmm. a big bike at his age. So, yeah. He's one of my dad's icons. Yeah, <laughs> to tell how far back he they, goes. They, those are the guys that I, I, I look up to. Those yeah. are the guys that I, I always say, yo, I want to be like them. Right? So maybe it would be interesting, maybe some kind of mentorship program with the younger guys having you know well, i mean i'm sure that they do when they're linemen and stuff like that but really getting these guys out there to share their experiences yeah. so perhaps we can get a few of them yeah, inside yeah, here and do, do some yeah, interviews it's true, it's true, it's true. all right so we're gonna switch topic a little bit um and we're just gonna i want to touch a little bit on another side of your career which you mentioned and that is you are you've been in the kitchen for yeah. a really long time 
And by the way, nobody makes chicken like Fabian Reeves. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's my favorite. I don't even like buying food out anymore. Yeah, she's <laughs> always been on Mickey as well, buying food away, but yeah. I suppose I should learn how to make it. Uh, ish <laughs> but then i don't want to like distract him on the kitchen <laughs> but yeah tell us tell us about about cooking and and your love your passion for for being in the kitchen you know it's you it's, it's so funny your story because i didn't like cooking in the beginning ah so he hated the kitchen in the beginning but one story that, that forced me to be in the kitchen was uh when i was 19 mm -hmm. uh maybe one of my first loves i um we were my mom was a person, as you, as I said earlier, well, get got to do chores and stuff. My mother used to live in her house, so get up, clean the yard, clean the bedroom, uh, clean the kitchen, right? That was my job on the Saturdays. So the girlfriend was over that morning, and she was watching TV in the bedroom. So I had the TV and stuff set up in my bedroom, and she was in there while I was outside cleaning. So I came in the bedroom and asked her, you know, cook us, cook up something for us to eat. And her response was, "You better learn to cut. You we don't cut something yourself." Ooh. Right? So that that hit home. That hit a spot. You know why? Because she knew I couldn't cook. Right. right. So I just say, "No, no woman is making me shame again with this again." So I went straight to my mother. Tell my mother, cause my mother is a very good cook. Yeah, Auntie Hazel, Auntie Hazel, hands sweet yeah, man. My mother is a. a, a boss and she does in it so kitchen. peacefully yep. in the kitchen too. I yep. love to watch her cook. Yep. I'm already fast at it too. Mm -hmm. So I went to her and said, Mom, listen, are you going to teach me to cook? I can't depend on the boy to teach me mm -hmm. to, to, to do anything like that to me again. And yeah, explain the situation. Tell me all the problems, and we can start from tomorrow. And from there, that was it. That was it. And then I met um, a lady, Olive, a Guyanese lady. Olive was, Olive was a, boss. A boss in the kitchen, boss. <laughs> a boss. I tell you, I, if you want to see speed in the kitchen, Five pots at one time and doing six wow. and seven different things at the same time. This woman, the this woman, the cruel. So you know all the chefs, yeah, boy. assistants to chefs, the prep people, prep the people, rural boy. work that goes yeah, on boy. in the kitchen rural here. And you know, it's it's. I think we had talked about this a little while back too. You know, when you go to a restaurant and there's always this thing: should you pull tips or should you not pull tips? And it really is a difficult question because, whilst at the same time you understand that the waiter or the waitress, um, you know, sets the tone at the table, there really is so much yeah. that goes on in the background a to get him a meal prepared. To get a meal prepared, there's so much going on in the background. Mm -hmm. there's, there's the person buying the groceries that got budgeting, pick out the the right vegetables and, yeah and then the, any cost for it quality yeah the, you know what i mean and then you got the, then you got the, the to deal with prepping them and stuff for the mm -hmm. next day you got to know what foods spoil fast and what mm -hmm. so you can't do certain things before a certain time and all sort of stuff and then you got the cooking right and then you got the customers to deal with mm -hmm. another thing and <laughs> choose to deal with <laughs> some uh, hungry people are not nope. always nice nope. people <laughs> And then, and then afterwards, you still got you still got the cleaning up to do, and that cleaning up part is one of the most hardest working. Now <laughs> that's where yours truly <laughs> comes in. Yeah, that's, that that's the part a lot of chefs cuts don't like. Yeah, and yeah. As much as he's got to do it, is after cooking, standing on your feet for a whole day, cooking all that food, yeah, and, and prepping so and then stuff. Then turn on, have to clean, clean everything. Up, yeah, it's be a lot. It's take a lot out of you, and that's why people don't realize. Like when you charge a, a price for a meal, you don't realize how much it goes into it yeah. to, to get that meal to your satisfaction. To the table, from the farm all yeah. the way back all up. All the way back up, right? Yeah. And people are saying, that was one of the reasons that I kind of like step back a, a lot from my restaurant business mm -hmm. because of that strenuous uh, work you have to do. Yeah. It. And then from that, and then persons know at Complaining about costs and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot to balance. Yeah, a lot to balance. So, and then in in this country is the raw materials aren't cheap, mm -hmm. right? And then to turn over a profit from it, it's it's really hard, very really difficult. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if you want to charge the to charge fifteen dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars for food. Yeah. Putting all that work. Uh, and if you want quality food, yeah. it's be really difficult to charge. Yeah, if you're talking food. about lunch, but we're talking about lunch time yeah, prices, lunch time breakfast prices, prices, yeah. prices, yeah. Breakfast prices, yeah. So yeah, what's your favorite thing to cook? My favorite cook thing to cook. <laughs> well, my wife loves cooking on saltfish. Actually, and she 
She she actually that's even in this that got me in. <laughs> got me in, yeah. It's a ring. The only person I used to eat that from was my grandmother yeah. boy. So when yeah. when he came and told me that he could cook, I was like, what? Yeah, that Score. Was, yeah, that was, <laughs> and the funny thing is, learned to cook, cook that it was a mistake. Or I, I can't call it a mistake. It was it was something that not something planned. Plan. Was mm. the girl that I mean, used to work for me at that time when they had a restaurant. She used to do that dish because mm-hmm. I was never good at stirring the cuckoo. Mm-hmm. And one day she couldn't come into work and it was cuckoo day. Mm-hmm. So I had like actually called my mother and then she walked me through it on the phone. Oh, on the phone? On the phone. Okay. Yes. So I learned to cut cuckoo on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot even imagine. I got to tell you. And did, then, come, did you got all the lumps? Actually, it had a few lumps in it. Right. Like, it had a few lumps in it. But I, I actually scooped out. And my grandma see lumps in it. Your whole yeah. pot was going in garbage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, my then I, I met another young lady that um, came working for me, and all I knew how to do the cuckoo. I that day I just allowed her to do it because she said she could do it, get it done, and she showed me an easier way of doing cuckoo. Which is I wanted. To Love that secret, but <laughs> yeah, don't worry, she, people. They might get it for you. She showed me easy way of stirring cuckoo, and from yeah. then cuckoo, I was cause I never even then I learned it from my mom. I still didn't like it because the almost I was turning and what you had to do. So it's not your favorite dish no, to cook. It's not my so what dish. is your favorite dish to cook? So my favorite dish, um, I actually like doing local foods. Okay, so like um, I I could cook anything, but. Like the bright fruit. I like dealing with bright fruit. Ah. Garnishes for it. Right, so right. So that became my signature to this, bright fruit bowls. Mm-hmm. Where you could get a pickle salt. On that note, we can do a little marketing. I don't yeah. even know if it's marketing. Anybody out there that has a breadfruit orchard yep. that wants to make some money, we need a consistent supplier of breadfruit. So anybody yep. out there that is interested in that, please contact myself or Fabian. And let us know, yeah. We need breadfruit. Breadfruit is one of the hardest things to find. People love whenever we put out breadfruit bowls, we cannot even keep up with the orders of breadfruit bowls. But it's the supply. It's the supply. Okay. And it's the demand for the supply as well. So yeah. So breadfruit. I would say basically breadfruit bowls is my favorite dish cooking. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite dishes that I love cooking for my kids is lasagna. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they love they love the lasagna. lasagna. Actually, a lot of people love my lasagna. That Mm -hmm. was one of my main dishes that I used to sell every time at the restaurant too as well. Mm -hmm. And then when they do a a a, a wrap, a lasagna wrap with bacon. A lasagna wrap. Okay, I don't think I've had that one or seen that one. I gotta show you that one. I never. I didn't do that one in a little while. Okay. Yeah, that's when you do. You don't you don't actually do a pan of lasagna. Right. You actually wrap the the take the lasagna the the pasta mm-hmm. and the same filling. You wrap you Oh, roll, okay, like right? rolls. Yeah, you roll right, it. right, right. And then you, you wrap it with the, the bacon and cheese and stuff and yeah. Okay. So last question. Um being as I'm a nutritionist, I'm quite interested to hear your take, your honest take on what you think is required to actually eat healthy in Barbados? Do you think it's doable? I mean, what's what's your experience been like? Well, honestly, my experience of eating healthy since mm-hmm. I met you, especially, uh, we have changed our diet in terms of the food we, we eat. One time every Sunday was macaroni pie, macaroni pie. I get to the point now I don't really like macaroni pie. <laughs> honestly, I, I got so tired of it that I decided that I don't want to see. It. I would take a little, a little, little piece, piece, yeah, right. But when it's over two and three blocks, nah. right, yeah, that changed a lot. And even my kids started to get tired of it too. Yeah. So, what from being with you and stuff, what we started to achieve, where we implemented like vegetables and different healthy stuff in every meal that we cook. What's something healthy that you you've tried? Since being with me, that you never had before. Uh, one of the stuff things that I tried I never had before was uh, hummus. Hummus. Right. I never had hummus before I met you, and let me tell you, hummus is the thing now to That's go. That's bomb. It's bomb. <laughs> I never believe hummus from chickpeas. <laughs> so it's like certain things that you was you will see. I never mm. realized that you can use that is healthy that you can use to yeah. make nice dishes with. And I when start, you say on a whole though that 
I don't even say, I don't think it's Caribbean people. I think it is is my experience with us Barbadians. We tend to be quite apprehensive about food that we don't know. Don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because like the other islands have a different mix of the Spanish yeah, and the French is, that make the Creole is, yeah, and stuff. It's true and we have English. Yeah, because we we here in Barbados, if you if you really look at it, Barbados don't like train new foods. They look like like Shafet. Yeah, they would stick to, stick we to stick to what, what yeah, we, we know. know. You understand? And I find the, c- the quickest thing, <laughs> Barbados feels like you're going to poison them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you yep. poison, what's that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, if you put, if you put certain, like if you know rice is made with that particular type of yeah. pea, like if you change it to a different pea, yeah, what's, mm, that, yeah, what's yeah, that in yeah. there? Or, you know, we stick to macaroni salad because that's what we know as a salad. But then, you know, it, like the other day I made something that had in broccoli and, and someone saw and they were like, you put raw broccoli on a salad? Yeah. yeah, you do, you know? So that's that's something that I find very peculiar to Bajans. Yeah, yeah. One of the other day I do, I do, we try to treat each other. Even you, when I do your egg. Yeah. If yeah. I put anything in your no, egg, no, you still egg. don't like anything you in your egg. egg. <laughs> I let my egg to be egg. <laughs> yeah, oh, unless you're doing an omelette, well, mm-hmm. then so be it, but we scramble egg? No, nah, I let them scramble to be egg. But like, even even uh, a few days ago, I, I we tried to treat each other uh, while doing a ah uh, yes. We tried to do like popcorn broccoli. Mm-hmm. I did a a dip, um, a butter, and I dipped the broccoli in the butter, and then I I fried it up, right? And then I did a, a honey glazed barbecue sauce. This is really good. And I then dipped the fried broccoli in it. Mm-hmm. We tricked two and two. Mm-mm. Was about that. <laughs> you so, can't get anything past them, boy. Yeah, so Fabio won't put it in his mouth, but Manasi has said it tastes like chicken. <laughs> yeah, Kian just said it tastes really well, but Fabiana said, no, 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 this is broccoli. It's still, it still tastes like broccoli in the background. <laughs> we can, folks, we're going to have a session. We actually want to bring the kids in here too and talk to them. We're going to have a session about picky eating. And if you have a, a child that is a really picky eater and you as a parent want to come and, and have a discussion with us about it, studio's open because these are things that need to be addressed. So I think that that seamlessly switches the question over to you mm-hmm. so I could talk about me. Yeah. I know, so go lot, for it. I know there's a lot. I know there's a lot to talk about. Kind of <laughs> so first, the first question I can ask you is, because I know, but I just want the public to know. So we just want to confirm this. You are on a macaroni box. Yes, I am, and I've spent a long time talking about the macaroni <laughs> box. A long, long, long time, and I got on a macaroni box because I absolutely loved macaroni and cheese. It was truly. My favorite, favorite yeah, food. Yes. So the, the funny f- thing is, is our kids' favorite dish too as well. Well, not my son. Manasseh's yeah. not a macaroni and cheese lover. I think, you know, I've evolved with it so much as in um, I loved it when I was younger. Uh, I have a TED talk about it, how the Catali girl got out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was 18 or 19, I developed a serious intolerance to wheat. Yeah. Um, not an allergy per se, Sorry, excuse me, but definite intolerance, and it resulted in gynecological issues. Um, it resulted in digestive issues. Um, later on in my life, it actually resulted in bad sinus problems, um, and a lot of things that a doctor cannot sorry, ascribe to a food. But I know there's nobody that can tell me that it isn't that. Yeah. I know it's that. I mean, that and it always remind me of my my daughter too, mm-hmm. uh, Fabi. When we, when she being a baby, I can remember having care of different dermatologists and stuff. Yeah, she for food, and that being food related. Yeah, yeah. And we realized it was the wheat that was causing her reaction yeah. to her skin and stuff. So, so, I mean, so like, I, when I, when it, it actually is what led me to becoming a nutritionist um, because I worked in a, a clinic, a health clinic. And at the time when I got the job was actually at the crossroads uh, when I was experiencing these issues. So I had to go through a whole detox from sugar, detox from wheat. And, you know, it was just veg and protein. And and slowly but surely I got better. And now my journey's evolved where um, I used to go into schools a lot and do presentations on nutrition. And it would, it would kind of be like my bite in. So once the kids realized that, you know, I was on the box, it would be a, a point of discussion. And I want to say, you know, 
there can we can become very evangelical when it comes to eating healthy um and i've simmered a lot with with time um because i say that to say that macaroni and cheese in the box um when when you are on a really tight budget it is one of those foods that a lot of mothers have used to fill hungry bellies uh, a and, and a go it is a go to right and understandably so for the price uh, but this is why I also try to say, well, you know, if you can at least make it, but mix in other like veggies, you know, <laughs> tomatoes and corn, even the same steamed broccoli that you can put things in it to make it better. But yes, it is where my career started. Yeah, and and now you now you say that. I mean, being par- being parents of five, mm-hmm. right, and managing your life and having to try to eat healthy and even like try to get the kids to eat healthy. How was it for you? Knowing, cause eating healthy ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. We all know this ain't cheap. So, like different, what what ways and um, that that you think we, persons can do out there to eat healthy, mm-hmm. but still on a, a certain budget. Boy, it is a balancing act. It's a really serious balancing act, and there have been times where I myself have had so much so much frustration around it. Um, from a financial perspective, for sure. Um, and then also to, again, going back to the kids, you know, want something that I don't know if any book can really prepare you for is the journey that your children go through when they themselves are developing um, their own likes and dislikes yeah. with food. Um, sometimes children can be so picky that it you can cry, you, you know, because as a mother, I, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't think dads have the same uh, cue with kids, but as a mother... When your child has not eaten, it just does something. Like you can't, you can't relax when you know that your child has not eaten. So going through that with kids can be very, very hard. So you know, um, I think what I've tried to do is to always find that middle ground. So um, I know of stories with parents who have been so uh, hard, hard set with children about eating healthy that. The child will then rebel and go in an opposite direction when they get older or they'll become uh, compulsive eaters where they eat behind closed doors when they know that you're not around or, you know, so I and I never really wanted that. I want I want that our kids can make those decisions for themselves. So, you know, moving in with you even was hard because your kids would have had their own way of of eating. And then my son had his own way. And then at certain points, I look like the ogre in the house because it's like, no, you're not eating this and you're not bringing in this. You know, no, (laughs) you know. Um, And I think I think at the end of the day, you as the parent have to realize that truly the only person you can control is yourself. And and you set the example um, in that maybe it might even happen that they don't they have to be 13 14 even sometimes a little older and then they'll look back and realize oh my mom really didn't do things like that yeah. or my dad didn't really do things like that maybe I should actually listen or when they become a teenager and they realize that their acne is yeah, flaring so up and, and you know yeah. so they can start putting the pieces of the puzzle um, in terms of things that we do I try to keep it simple um, we try to make the best version. So where we can bake things like, you know, baked potatoes, we'll try to do that. Even if it is that we end up doing the chips, which children love chips, then we'll try to make sure we have some steamed veg on the side. Um, we have discussions with the kids about like what are the vegetables that they actually like and, and put those. So, you know, they do like broccoli. They will eat corn. They will eat carrots. Um, they will do, some will do coleslaw, some won't, some will do the pickle, the pickle cucumber, you know, so we try to, we try to balance it in with little things that they will eat. Um, we do try to keep their snacks under control because yeah, kids, kids love to snack. Oh snacks. gosh. Funny thing is when I was growing up, I was never a snack person. Yeah. 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 But that in itself can be a, a challenge to, to keep on top of, but you know, rule of thumb, you got to finish what's on your plate. If you have not finished what's on your plate, then do not come and tell me in two snacks. minutes time that you want a snack. Yep. No, you know, water, teaching them we our, our fridge always has about six water bottles in it so that you know that that's that's something that you can go to so you know it's 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 a challenge but we try to keep the middle ground so i know that you were big in the nutrition and stuff you your journey started where you school schooling in terms of training for nutrition yeah um well i did my i went up to as far as doing my uh, bachelor's in biology and chemistry um and when i was in my final year 
uh, quite a few of my uh, colleagues went, decided that they wanted to become a doctor. But two things. I, res I respect the time taken to become a doctor, but it just felt like overwhelming. It felt like a long time that you would have to be studying. Never mind, accumulatively ended up doing the same amount of time as a doctor. Um, but then also, too, I don't think that I have the stomach to be a doctor. I, I, I tried. That's another hilarious experience. Um, but I, I just, I, I've really got queasy toes. And I don't think it was for me. Um, so that's, that's basically it. You know, it was the one option that I got into at school. Well, I know this part with you, but I just want to touch on this part. And you touch on this part of persons out there who may not know. Because as well as nutrition and dealing with food, you also challenge yourself to be a fitness Yeah, person. I did. I did. Um, that started after I had my son. I, I, I always used to exercise before, but not hard, hard core, really. I used to run a lot. I love to run, and I love to swim, and I love to cycle. Um, but I challenged myself because uh, when I became a mom, my body totally changed. And again, this is something that you might read in a book, but until you physically experience it, um, I lost, when you start breastfeeding, I lost a shitload of muscle. And then it then imp impacted my back because I used to carry my son. I, I was not much for a pram person. Um, so I used to carry my son either on my front or my back. And my back gave out on me one day, and I had to take a serious look in the mirror and realize, clearly, you just don't have any muscle. Um, and that was where it started. And then, you know, being as I was trying to fuse with the nutrition, I realized that when we talk about about putting public messages about nutrition, a lot of times, the, the with no intentional disrespect to dads, we have a high uh, a high percentage of homes that are spearheaded by by moms by women. And I realized that if I was going to be out there talking, I had to be able to walk the walk, walk. right? Experience. Yeah. Experience firsthand. I had to be able to experience it firsthand. So, you know, it, it, it just became something. I started looking at YouTube videos with other moms out there. Usually it was in the U.S. And what did they do? Uh, and then I linked with a girlfriend of mine, um, Jamie. And she, her son actually has the same birthday as my son, but a year apart. And we decided to do insanity together. And it was just from there that I grew and grew and grew and grew. And I ended up doing two fitness shows. Um, both of them were the Darcy Beckles shows in 2015 and 2016. And they were life-changing. They were really life-changing. A little bit for not so good, but majority for good. And I really had an amazing opportunity to meet some of the best people in the fitness world. I got trained by one of the top... I mean, I didn't even see all this coming, to be honest. I got trained by one of the best trainers in Barbados, Phil Toppin. I mean, Phil trained some of the biggest bodybuilders Barbados ever had. I got to meet Steven Bell. I got to meet Shakira Duglin. I got to meet Lana. I mean, all these people that take part in the competitions and understanding that these are just normal people, mm -hmm. but their discipline, the discipline is unreal. Yeah. And I think... The biggest thing that I got out of it is that you can't have strong thoughts in a weak body. It's not just the physical. And where exercise, exercise now for me is, it's not even about, yeah, you know, you got all the IG models out there and they're doing amazing work at motivating people in terms of how they look and people look at them and they think, yeah, I want to look like that. But for me, exercise is mental, man. Exercise is that one thing that when I'm low and I'm, I'm, I'm sad and I, I'm feeling like I can't control things going on, exercise just always brings me right back down to a nicer space. Yeah, uh -huh. like me right in your bike from the country. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, correct, correct. But I, I from, from hearing you and all your experience and your journey when you became um, the person that you are in terms of doing your fitness competition and stuff, you actually have a lot of knowledge in that field. In, terms in the of, fitness side. Yeah. So I, I, from seeing you operate and stuff, I, I see you as a person that could actually pass on that information right. to persons that may need to get into this, do the same journey, you know what I'm saying, in terms of keeping the body fit, keeping yourself healthy and stuff. And I could tell you this from first-hand experience, my experience, and being around you for a while, um, I lost 15 pounds since I met you from mm -hmm. your um, 
changing my diet plan and that sort of stuff. And and in the time frame that it happened, I'm just eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, you're hitting on something there that was probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks, and I'm going to put it on the table, right? What is the challenging part about being a nutrition coach is that when people go to a gym, as much as research says that 70 to 80% of your results in the gym come from what you eat, a lot of the times, because people are on a budget, they quicker rationalize spending the money for a personal trainer yeah. because they're seeing the personal trainer there with them every yeah. time they come into the gym. Yeah. But most of your results come from what you do outside of the gym. And a, a lot of people, you know, you have the internet out there and you can go and buy $5 nutrition plans. And, and I'm not saying that those plans are not good, but the issue with that is that there's a... 10 different factors that impact people's decisions with food. It's budget, it's whether they like to cook, it's whether they have a really busy job, it's, you know, it's where they live, accessibility. It's all different sorts of things that a, 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 a meal plan that you purchase is not going to be able to pull out, yeah. pull out each of those, those things. And some people come to me and they're like, I don't even know where to start to get this thing done. So it, it has been a real challenge to um, to sell that service. When you go and do presentations, I've ended up doing a lot of presentations for free. Um, you know, when it comes to kids, I don't mind, but I still got to eat too. I still got to make a living. And it, it, it's really it's really tough to sell. You know, people people just say, oh, I eat. You know, it should be something that everybody should know. And, and they don't come out and say, I don't want to pay you for your service. But that's another thing is in terms of educating persons about um eating healthy ways body ways like the results and stuff like education is needed yeah uh, a lot of persons don't know where to get that education from again which is why i'm hoping that part of this platform is to be able to bring that to the table because yes i can do one-to-one consultations but nine times out of ten it's not an individual it's a family that you're trying to get to eat healthy yeah. so everybody needs to be on board everybody needs to have an open forum to discuss what their individual challenges are to be able to do it together yeah. you know so yeah, that, yeah. That, i think that's the biggest challenge i think that's the biggest challenge okay so so i guess we could um say that we achieve a lot of stuff this interview but mm-hmm. i can still ask you another one or two more questions okay sure <laughs> so my question to you is i uh, having all this information and stuff you, you feel that you would open or start a, a business where you can get everybody you said you got the fitness trainers personal trainers you got the nutritionist you got the nutrition the um nutrition coach right like everybody that's needed mm-hmm. to me that person feel comfortable that they have a full package. Because that's something that's been missing a lot, you know, where you can go go to the gym and you can get somebody, a person train you, and then they're going to send you to somebody else that can get you. I think, I mean, I think that the gyms nowadays have been doing a pretty good job at offering that service. Um, yeah, there, there are gyms that are putting it together. But I mean, like, a one-on-one, not just a... Like a gym, like a one-on-one. And a one-to-one. Yeah. I could give it some food for thought. My 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 biggest goal really is to do it through media um, because I feel like we have so much talent in Barbados and we, we need to have a better platform where people have access to knowing where to go. So perhaps more of like a concierge service <laughs> is, is maybe right, where I would right, go down the road right. of, um, of training. Right. But I feel very passionately about disseminating the information to people, making it something affordable. And at the end of the day, like I said, um, when we had this discussion with James, that I want um, for for the younger people to be able to have a resource that they can go to that is not just about you know getting this information and getting statistics and then they don't know what that really means, how is that applicable to life. So we want to do it in a real way. And that's what we're going to aim to do for the upcoming shows. So that's your vision for the future. That is definitely my vision for the future. So life in black and red. That's yeah. the name of the show, people. So we, we, we have some topics that, you know, that real topics, real issues, and 
we will not have it censored. We have it uncensored. So, yeah. <laughs> Keeping it real, 100%. Correct. So, thanks for tuning in. Um, next week, we're going to get some people in the studio. Um, we have some people with interesting stories. If you think you have any interesting stories pertaining to bike life, pertaining to health, pertaining to parenting, drop us a line. Yeah. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank, thank um, I got we guy. Um, you know, I fought him and I fought the company. We, we could not achieve this and we could not be here. For sure. Today. Yeah. So, I, 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 we came to his office and I was like, James, I really, 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 really want this opportunity. If it doesn't work, I've tried too many things. If does, this does not work, I am done. <laughs> and he's like, the studio is yours, Claire. The studio is yours. <laughs> yeah, you got to so, show the boy James. Boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That backing, that support, yeah, I really appreciate it. I hope you guys are all staying safe out there with COVID. Yep, yep. Hopefully next year this time it will be a different topic. Yeah, that's another topic too again. Yeah, so. I'm over it. Yep. <laughs> and I hope people, next week. We out. Peace and love. <laughs>